Hello, and thanks for dropping by for another episode of Raising Daughters. Dr. Tim Jordan here. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who comes to you every two weeks with these podcasts. By the way, every other week I come by with a blog, which you can get on my website at www.drtimjordan.com. Today's topic is an important one. I'm going to talk about something that is costing your daughters, and that is girls who live by shoulds. And by the way, this is not just about girls. This is about boys and adults as well. But let me start you out with a story today about about a statue called the Golden Buddha. So over 300 years ago, the Burmese army was planning an attack to invade Thailand, which at the time was called Siam. Now, these Siamese Siamese monks were in possession of a most amazing Buddha statue. This statue was over 10 feet tall. It weighed about two and a half tons and was made of solid gold. And today's value of that statue would be about $2 million. Well, these monks were determined to protect the shrine that meant so much to them. And while it was priceless to them, it was way more priceless, not about the money, but because of what it meant to them, because it was the Buddha. So they knew that that Burmese army that was attacking them would stop at nothing to steal the statue because they wanted the money value. So what they did was they covered that golden Buddha statue with about 12 inches of clay, knowing that the warriors who came to their town would ignore it and think it was worthless. Well, sadly, all those monks were slaughtered in the invasion, but the secret of the golden Buddha stayed hidden for two centuries, for 200 years. But at least the Buddha was safe. In the mid-1950s, a monastery was going to be relocated to make room for a new highway, so the monks at this monastery arranged for a crane to come and move the clay Buddha to its new location. Well, when the crane started lifting the Buddha statue, it was much heavier than they thought, and it started to crack. So because they were wanting to protect the shrine, they lowered it back down and decided to wait till the next day to bring more powerful equipment. And then it started raining. So they covered the statue with some tarps to keep the moisture away. In the middle of the night, the head monk, for some reason, got worried about the statue. So he took his flashlight and went out to make sure that, that the Buddha was covered um, appropriately. When he shined the light of the flashlight on to the statue, he noticed some glimmers coming back, some reflection, a reflection of something underneath that, that shroud of clay. So he took out a hammer and a chisel and he started to chip away little pieces of the clay and the, and the glimmering grew brighter and brighter. Hours later, with all the clay removed, He was in the presence of a Buddha made of solid gold. That statue now resides in the Temple of the Golden Buddha in Bangkok, Thailand. And every year, millions of people go there to see this magnificent work of art. And they think it may have have stayed uncovered. Or, excuse me, it could have stayed covered all those years, and it still could be covered. That story reminds me of your daughters. Because I think girls start out as whole, complete human beings— but their true selves start to become covered up over time. There are a lot of things that can cover up who our daughters really are, but I think one of the most powerful ones is shoulds. If girls learn to live their life dictated by shoulds, it's going to be really hard for them to feel happy and fulfilled. The author Karen Horney calls it the tyranny of the shoulds. And I think the shoulds has an especially powerful effect on leadership and the whole issue of how girls and women are supposed to be leaders, how they're supposed to show up. Girls get a lot of messages from a lot of different sources about how they're supposed to act and and how they're supposed to look and how they're supposed to show up. 
they get these messages from your, their parents, from teachers, from grandparents, aunts, uncles, relatives. They get it from social media. They get it from their peers, and they even get it from boys. Um, there's a few other places too. For instance, coaches. I see a lot of girls in my counseling practice who come in depressed, miserable, um, and these are athletes. And the reason that they're so depressed and miserable is because they're, they're burned out from their sport. And I ask them, why do you keep playing? Why do you keep playing softball or lacrosse or whatever? And they say they don't quit because they don't want to let their coaches down, their parents down, and their teammates down. What they say to me is they should keep playing. And the result is a burned out, unhappy, depressed, miserable uh, young woman. I get a similar kind of thing when it comes to college admissions. And I think college admission counselors and the whole process becomes a huge should for girls. I see girls in my counseling practice who are, who are burned out and stressed out because they're doing so many things. And I'll ask them, you know, what are you doing? And they'll describe some of the activities. And I'll say, do you like doing them? And many times they'll say, no, I hate it. And I'll say, well, then why are you doing it? And what they say, as I'm sure you know, is it's going to look good on my application, on my college application. They've been told by their teachers, the high school college counselor, the admissions counselors, that they should have those activities on their application. And once again, the result is they're miserable. I think some shoulds for girls come from within. Wanting to please people, not wanting people to be mad at them or disappointed in them. And I think over time, girls end up giving up who they are and what they want, and they lose their authenticity. Another big contributor to shoulds is social media. Uh, there's a lot of high pressure on social media about how you should look and about your likes and number of likes and all that kind of thing. And girls get rewarded for a lot of the old conditioning and cultural pressures that says you're supposed to look good, seek approval, perform, uh, please other people. You're only supposed to show your best version of yourself, which is obviously incomplete. And what gets rewarded on social media also gets replicated. Girls end up comparing themselves to other people's posts, which brings along a lot of insecurity. A lot of girls I talk to feel like they're behind. They feel not important, less popular, never good enough. There's this constant inner tension. And they end up living more by shoulds than what's real and authentic about themselves. Let me tell you a story about a woman who I think does not live by shoulds. Uh, when she was in college, this woman, uh, or excuse me, when she was in high school, this woman d- uh, decided she wanted to go to college because she wanted to get out of, out of her house. And so she gra- graduated from high school a semester early, and she enrolled uh, in a university to be with her boyfriend. Uh, that semester didn't turn out very well academically, so the next semester she transferred to the University of Arizona to be with her friends. After one year of that, she came home and she told her parents, I'm done. School is not for me. Her parents argue with her. They really want her to have a college degree. And her mom finally asked her what she wanted to do, what she was passionate about. And this girl said, I want to do makeup. So her mom listened and they brainstormed, you know, how how she could do something with makeup. And she said she wanted to do makeup for movies, for theater. So they they started looking for colleges that had that kind of uh, uh, discipline. Um, What they found was nobody had a, a degree in makeup. But they they ended up looking at a college called Emerson College in Boston, and they visited, and this girl felt at home there immediately. 
she had this feeling it was the right place. And even though she uh, wanted to do theater makeup and they had no program, the school let her design her own concentration. And so she worked with the theater department, the TV department, the film department, some makeup uh, courses, some courses in photography. And this is what this girl said later on, looking back. I left Emerson University with a BA in fine arts in makeup with a minor in photography, but what I really left with was the knowledge that it was all up to me. Everything in life, everything is what you put into it. There are so many options for how you're supposed to live your life and make a career for yourself. If you can identify and stick with something you're genuinely passionate about, you're way ahead of the game. You'll figure out how to make money once you figure out what you love to do. By the way, that woman's name, Bobby Brown, who later on ended up developing her own makeup company, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. But there's another add-on to that story of Bobby Brown. In the 1990s, as a makeup artist, she had a hard time finding lipsticks that resembled the actual color of women's lips, and she wanted to, to find that. Uh, bright colors were all the rage back then, and so she created 10 natural lipstick shades, and her company took off again. After many years, the corporate executives at her company decided that they wanted to, to rebrand, to re, rehaul things. They hired a consultant to evaluate their products and to even evaluate Bobby Brown herself. And what these, these consultants told Bobby Brown was she needed a different image and a different wardrobe. And so they took her on this kind of a pretty woman shopping spree where she bought a bunch of outfits and things. And, and she ended up putting on an outfit one day for her husband with leather pants. And they both thought it looked ridiculous. So Bobby told them she was not changing her look and she was going to dress like she wanted, including her sneakers, which became a part of her signature look to the point where years later, President Obama mentioned her cool kicks in one of his talks. Sounds to me like Bobby Brown decided not to live her life by shoulds and I want all that for your daughters. The leadership issue is a big one when it comes to shoulds. I think our daughters have been told to act one way to be a leader. This is not just our daughters, by the way, it's also women today. They get the message that you're supposed to be assertive and you're supposed to advocate for yourself and go in there and ask for raises. But acting that way makes women look less likable. Uh, it can also make women feel less authentic if that's not who they really are. Research has shown that the more successful women become in the workforce, the less people like them. They call it a success penalty. They're told they need to be assertive and advocate for raises, but it makes them less likable, and it's really hard to be a likable woman who also is ambitious and is aspiring to lead. There's a mixed message in there. There's also cultural biases. You know, we assume that women are warm, they're relational, but it, as women express more strength and power and assertiveness, they're perceived as less warm. Yet we expect our leaders to be ambitious and aggressive, which makes them less likable, which means that they're stuck. You can just feel the tension as I describe that, can't you? I read an interesting story about Jennifer Lawrence, the actress. About a year or so ago, she found out she had made a lot less than her male co-stars in the movie American Hustle, even though she was one of the stars. At first, she was mad at everybody, and then she got mad at herself for not negotiating longer or harder. And this is her quote. There was an element of wanting to be liked that influenced my decision to close a deal without a real fight. I didn't want to seem difficult or spoiled. There's that conditioning rearing its ugly head, right? 
Don't be too out there. Don't be too powerful. Don't be too assertive. Our girls are experiencing a lot of mixed messages. They're told they're supposed to be top students, straight-A students to be smart, but don't be too opinionated or too successful because then you'll be chopped down a notch. Girls are told to be confident but not too assertive because you may cause people to be upset with you or people to be jealous. You don't want to do that. You're supposed to be nice but also ambitious and competitive. You're supposed to be successful but not too much. You're supposed to be powerful, but if you are too powerful, you're judged as bossy, you're judged as being a bitch, you're judged as being aggressive. You're told to be accepted and to fit in, that's important, but you're also told over and over to be authentic. They're supposed to take care of themselves, we tell them that a lot today, but they've also been conditioned to put other people's needs before their own, to put other people's needs first. They're told they need to advocate for themselves and ask for rages, but, but don't be too aggressive or too ambitious because that makes you less likable. They're told to be likable, but they're too successful, too assertive, they'll be seen as unlikable. So I think girls and women feel like they just can't win. They're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. They've been told their whole life they need to change to fit the leadership model. Even little kids, little girls, I've I've told stories in some of these blogs and podcasts before about little girls I've met who were four or five, six being labeled as bossy, as being labeled as a queen bee, one little girl, when she was four years old. They're told not to be too loud, not to be too assertive, not to be too successful. Don't be too pretty. Don't be too nice. Don't be too kind. And it's confusing because as they're trying to fit all of that, they lose themselves. So what if instead of judging girls and women and trying to change them to fit into our antiquated leadership model, what if instead we blow up the system and start over? I think we've already started this process, but I think we need to put more energy into redefining qualities like toughness and courage and power and strength, likability, and what makes a good leader. One way we can do that is to notice all the different ways girls exhibit courage and leadership. And that's just the big things like being the student council president or a team captain or or being the popular queen bee. There are so many smaller ways that girls exhibit power and leadership by being kind to people, including people, making sure everybody's successful, being compassionate, having good boundaries, not caring what other people think, dressing like they want, hanging out with who they want, looking out for people, standing up for yourself, other people. There's so many ways that girls are are being leaders, but we don't recognize those and we don't acknowledge them. Another way for us to help our girls with the shoulds is to help them become more inner-directed, to guide them to make their decisions and choices based upon what's right for them versus the shoulds or the expectations of others. We've got to help them become aware of all the biases and the conditioning that goes on all around them so they're not at the mercy of it. It's a lot of unconscious stuff, and we need to help them become aware. It also helps to help girls become aware of the cost to them when they live their life out of shoulds, being dictated by shoulds and have-tos and expectations of others. The cost is an ever, ever-growing ever tension within because they're not being themselves. They're usually miserable. They're less fulfilled, less happy, a lot of resentment. Oftentimes I see girls who are depressed and anxious because they're just not being who they are. 
I started this story with uh, this podcast, excuse me, with a story about Buddha. And I thought I'd end the podcast with a story about a sculptor. And this was a very famous sculptor years ago in ancient India who, who met, used to uh, make these huge sculptures. They were life-size statues of elephants with their trunks curled high, their, their tusks thrust forward. These beasts were, were huge and they were incredibly powerful. One day a king, a king came to see these magnificent sculptures and he decided to commission a statue for his palace. He asked the sculptor, what's the secret of your artistry? These are amazing. And the sculptor said, great king, I get a whole bunch of men and I go down to the banks of the river and I find a gigantic piece of granite. I have, I have it brought up here to my courtyard and for a long time I do nothing but observe this piece of stone. And I study it from every angle. I focus all of my concentration on this task and don't allow anybody to disturb me. At first, I see nothing but a huge, shapeless rock just sitting there, meaningless, indifferent to my purposes. It seems to be resentful even at having been dragged from its cool place by the stream. But then slowly, very slowly, I begin to notice something in the substance of the rock. I feel a presence, an outline, scarcely discernible, showing itself to me although everybody else, I would think, sees nothing. I watch with an open eye and I get very joyful because the outline starts to grow and it grows and it grows stronger. And yes, finally I can see it. An elephant is stirring in there. Only then do I start my work. For days, slowing into weeks, I use my chisel and my mallet, always cling to my sense of that outline, which grows ever stronger. Oh, how that big fellow strains, how he yearns to be out, how he wants to live. And it seems so clear now, for I know the one thing I must do. With an utter singleness of purpose, I must chip away every last bit of stone that is not elephant. What then remains will be, must be, elephant. So perhaps that's part of our job as parents, parenting daughters to grow up to be authentic and to be leaders. We need to help chip away the cultural conditioning and the biases and the stereotypes that could limit them. We need to chip away all the shoulds that can distract our daughters from who they really are. And not just chip away, but blow up the antiquated limiting leadership model that we've been having in, in our culture forever and let girls be themselves and lead as they are versus how they should be. If you want more information about how to raise girls to advocate uh, and become leaders and to be strong human beings, then look, look up and check out my new book. It's called She Leads, A Practical Guide for Raising Girls Who Advocate, Influence, and Lead. It comes out the first week in March. You can find it on my website at drtimjordan.com. You can find it in your bookstores. You can get it on Amazon, Kindle. You can find it in all those places. But there's lots of good practical ideas about what you can do to help girls be, to be authentic, powerful, strong leaders in their own way and in their own time. Thank you so much for dropping by here every two weeks for these podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please pass it on to your friends and also pass it on to young people. I think a lot of these things that I do, are, they're really for parents, but a lot of times they're also really valuable for, for girls in middle school, high school, and beyond. Uh, thanks for dropping by. Um, I will see you back here with the podcast in two weeks.